Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway. 6th and Peabody, our location, and it is the Thursday edition. That means Trey Wallace will join us. Dave McGinnis is coming up a bit later in today's show. We'll Get some great stories from Coach Mack, former NFL head coach, been in the league for over 35 years. New Franco Harris, not just from the NFL days, but college where they met on the gridiron. Mack was a safety at TCU, and he felt the wrath of Franco Harris at Penn State. Great stories coming up there and much more. Plenty of headlines. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited for this show. Excited for uh, Coach Mack joining us to tell this uh, Franco Harris story and all of our other great guests today, and there's plenty of news to get to. Yeah, I mean, we've got Thursday Night Football tonight. We'll be previewing that uh, throughout the show, and uh, plenty of NFL games you'll be able to see. NFL Sunday ticket to YouTube. Seven years, two billion. And, Chad, I was thinking about what you said yesterday about is this going to be uh, difficult? Is it going to be easier because more people have cut the court? I, I think because it's YouTube, it will be far easier than what we've seen through Thursday night in the package there with Amazon. I think so. Um, I think that part of it could help. It's just anytime there's anything new, you know, it's almost like a PSA that you have to put out in the months leading up to whatever the change is. When it's something as popular as the Sunday ticket with the NFL and any sort of package like that. So we're getting more and more accustomed to new things to you know how to navigate a streaming service and these this is all old hat for yeah. most people now with a television so i think the more changes like this happen the easier it gets to morph into that new medium whatever it may be so it'll probably end up being the same for youtube and nfl sunday ticket so DirecTV had been paying about a mil a, a billion and a half a year and They've said they were losing about $500 million annually on that deal. They didn't want back in with the option. Here is where the uh, YouTube, and this is Google, is jumping in. They're paying $2 billion annually moving forward. And they're hoping that what they've done is create not just uh, the, the package for uh, you know, those that are on YouTube TV. You, know, you can add that on or whatever. But also you have the casual, I mean, going straight to YouTube for everything you want. As far as I always refer to it as the wormhole, um, yeah, they're going to hit everybody over the top with any ad that you see on there about NFL Sunday Ticket, and they're saying, yeah, we're going to take it much further than Directv did. I heard more complaints about the Directv thing than I heard compliments because fans wanted more options, and because Directv was paying a, a billion and a half annually, that's where it was. That's where it lived. It's always it's crazy to me the business of the NFL. Not the business itself. But when it comes to media rights holders, they are fine losing a lot of money. None of these networks make money off the NFL. 
Now, the idea is they make money off everything around it and bringing people to their network and all the subsidiaries and everything they can do with that. But on the actual, we're going to pay you ungodly amounts of money to carry your games, and then what we're going to sell in advertising, they're they're all losing money. If you come close in a Super Bowl year, let's say, that you have it on your network to breaking even, that's a huge win. So when I hear that DirecTV was losing $500 million – with that deal, does not surprise me one bit. And if you feel like you're not getting the the added bonus, whatever that is, around your your service, then I understand dumping it also. Well, you but, have to subscribe. Yeah, YouTube's not going to make you do that. Right. They're going to have a standalone package. But, that but you my can point is just to just not, and not have YouTube TV. Just expense and profit and revenue. It doesn't make sense. But what these networks would tell you what makes sense is we will lose money in that transaction, in order to have a piece of the NFL pie that can pump up everything else we but do as a network. They're not losing money based on the NFL package. They're losing money because people are cutting the cord. So yeah. you had to subscribe to DirecTV in order to get that feature, which was $80 annually, seventy nine ninety nine, tacked on to whatever you paid for satellite or cable television. And YouTube TV is not going to make you do that you can, I don't know what the flat rate is going to be for YouTube, but if you want to just subscribe to that premium channel only, you don't have to have YouTube TV. You just go through your account, pay your 80 bucks or whatever it is, and you've got it. So yeah. I think it's going to be far more profitable for them. Yeah, and look, for DirecTV, yes. You're saying for YouTube and for YouTube. NFL? Yeah, for, yes. for YouTube, it's going to be better, but I still don't think they're going to get all that money back. I, I don't uh, think it's going to go. They're not going to be in the black on the end of this. None of these networks are. My point is, there's far they're more paying than the thirteen and a half million people though it'll go to YouTube. The only it. the only people that make a huge profit on this transaction are the NFL and their teams. That's it. Uh, well, I think I'm very interested. Google and Apple were the two that were in on it, and the, the big networks, the big yeah. cable providers, were not. And and uh, what I'm saying is though, I, I'm just looking at it from we're paying this much to get the NFL. Here's what we're getting in revenue dollars in subscriptions, everything, just from the NFL. It almost never comes out to even. The NFL, you're going to lose money off of it, but the thought process is, like anything in business, I can lose money here, but in doing so, it's helping me make money over here. So CBS, Fox, everyone who has the NFL, they're spending so much on carrying the NFL, not just the NFL, but broadcast teams, travel, everything else. They're losing money. But if yeah. you're Fox or you're CBS, you're, what you're saying is, I'm losing money there, but I'm actually making more money on Hulu or whatever other companies we own, or you know Peacock if you're NBC, because it helps bring people over to this streamer, or it helps people come over to 60 Minutes after the games on CBS. It's going to help with every other bit of advertising around the entire network. Uh, uh, sad news with the, the passing of Ronnie Hillman, who was a, a running back for the Denver Broncos, he was their leading rusher the year they beat the Panthers in the Super Bowl. Uh, passed away of cancer, which he'd been battling for, for some time. And um, that, that news was sad to see. Uh, he also played with the Chargers, the Vikings, but known for that big year that he had with, uh, with the Broncos when they, they downed the, the Panthers. Travis Hunter to Colorado. And Chad, uh, Dion, primetime, comes through. Yesterday... All the names that he was linked to immediately, we saw pop up. 
It's just funny to me that this was ever a question. I, I did laugh when I saw Travis Hunter will also consider Georgia and Florida State <laughs> and some other ones that were on his list. I'm thinking he's he's following Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders called a shot. I also laughed at the people were saying, you know, breaking Shador Sanders transferring to Colorado. I saw that too. I'm like, this hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Can you imagine if he didn't? I mean, was, <laughs> that would not be that would not be a good start for uh, Coach Prime in Boulder. But I mean, any it, it's a foregone conclusion. I mean, he was already saying these guys were going to follow him. I'm still amazed. I know it's probably changed now. I'm going to go and look at the updated rankings, but just how far behind Colorado was in recruiting that even with splashes like this and what they're doing. When's the last time that still, they were discussed on signing day? They're still third. Now they've moved up. They were in the 60s. Now they're 47th. And I want to see where that ranks in the Pac-12. But it was like third or fourth from the bottom of the Pac-12 as of yesterday in recruiting. Even with all the hype, the Lamborghinis, the Louis Vuitton bags, all the photos being taken with Coach Prime, they were still towards the bottom of the Pac-12. I'm just going to go straight through, and I'll, I'll find where they rank in the conference, but they're 47th nationally as of this moment. Gardner Minshew uh, starting for the Philadelphia Eagles on Christmas Eve. Um, 425 Eastern kickoff on Fox, Cowboys and Eagles. Uh, Minshew mania time. Jalen Hurts with the sprained shoulder. Uh, Dr. David Chow will be on with us. Uh, we'll discuss that injury and more uh, a bit later in today's show. But the Eagles are making the right call here. If it's a short-term issue, don't risk it and don't let it become more significant. And as far as seeding is concerned, sure, they, they need one more game, one more win to lock up the NFC East, but uh, this is more important. And I still think the Eagles can win this game with Gardner Minshew. They absolutely run the football well. They have two receivers that can pick up the slack for Minshew. Minshew is certainly capable in small doses of coming in and providing some energy and a level of, of competitive quarterback play that can win you a ball game. And oh, by the way, their defense is legit. They can really get after the quarterback. So I, the Eagles are, it's not like they're at, it, they're at a disadvantage because Hertz isn't playing, but it's not like they're significantly worse at other spots because a backup is in. I think the players around Minshew will elevate him. And I think the game plan should should also feature heavy run against the Dallas defense. Colorado, by the way, fifth in the Pac-12. Just went through it in the conference. So they were in, in third or fourth to last. They were ninth, you know, somewhere around their eighth or ninth. Um, what's best for the Eagles is to win this game, obviously, and clinch everything they need to clinch by winning this game. What's best for Jalen Hurts' MVP candidacy is for Gardner Minshew to be terrible and the Eagles' offense to not look good, and for them to lose, and for him to come back quickly and show that he's a big part. He is a big part of the offense, but that he is the engine that drives it, and he's not just some supplemental guy right. that you can plug and play a different quarterback and have equal production. I don't think that he's that. I think he's the MVP right now, but there are going to be arguments. I talked about this Armando Seguero when you were out earlier this week, Hutton. Um, he is very interesting to watch this because – he is of the belief that this is not Jalen Hurts' offense. This is the system. This is the players around him. And that Gardner Minshew may show that in this game if he puts up big numbers and looks great. I disagree, but it is one game. You can't take too much away from it. But it's going to go a long way in showing us about that system, about the supporting characters, and about 
Jalen Hurts meaning to this offense, which I think it's it's huge. And uh, this could be a it's going to be a good game. It could end up being a fantastic game based on what both of these offenses are capable of. I, I know Minshew's in. The Cowboys have averaged 37 points per game over the last seven games. So they're hitting a stride offensively. They're coming off this loss to Jacksonville, 40-34. to 34, But this is a very important game for playoff positioning for Dallas as well. And right now, they're headed on the road to Tampa or Carolina or you know, possibly New Orleans out of the NFC South. Well, it's important to Dallas because it's not just the Jacksonville loss. It's that they could have lost to Houston at home. Yep. So we're now looking at a two-game stretch where they have not been themselves. You don't want to be playing like that going into the postseason. And that's what they're doing right now. This is a nice opportunity against a backup quarterback to go out, play well, start pulling things back in the right direction as they go into the playoffs. And um, that's what I suspect would happen. But it's going to be a huge storyline if Gardner Minshew is able to go in and sweep the Cowboys and doing it this time on the road in this game. Washington fell to the Giants last week in the rematch of the uh, divisional matchup that we had seen twice in three games. Um, upcoming, we're going to have Chase Young back on the defense for the Commanders. The Commanders, over their last nine games, are only allowing opponents 18 points per game, and they're getting their best player on defense back this week. Um, I hope it's not too little too late because they're a great story. But I feel like the Giants' loss, like I still feel like that game is a tie-break type deal for one, not both teams getting in the postseason. I think they're plus 275 right now in their game this weekend, even after the Chase Young announcement. Uh, that'd be an interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see Hutton's money line upsets over the weekend and see if that's under consideration. Well, they've got the 49ers. Yeah. And that defense is also on par. That, that defense is better than Washington's. Brock Purdy versus Taylor Heineke in this game also at quarterback. So, could look, could be a low-scoring affair is my point. Yeah. Um, could be a field goal game either way. Great news for Washington. Their defense has been so good, though, without Chase Young. That's the amazing part about this team. And they've been able to stay in the mix with Heineke at quarterback. Um, but, man, that was a terrible loss on Sunday Night Football to the Giants. So, can they come back from it? They're going to they're gonna need to beat San Francisco in an upset, I think, to start to give themselves a chance. Trey Wallace is on deck. We'll be discussing all things SEC and college football. Peek ahead to the SEC bowl matchups and the big headlines from National Signing Day. All of that and more with Trey next on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Glad you're with us. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays from all of us at OutKick. That includes Trey Wallace, who joins us. We'll find out where uh, this holiday season. Trey Wallace, OutKick.com is where you can read his work and also check out the Trey Wallace podcast. Trey, Merry Christmas to you. Hope you're doing well. 
Merry Christmas, guys. Hope everybody is uh, is doing well in Nashville and you guys are getting ready for the apocalypse. Yes, Looks like it's coming. It's, so. it's going to be cold everywhere, uh, it I feels was, like, this weekend. I was running errands this morning, Trey, and it was, 50, it was a balmy 54 degrees here in Nashville. And looked down at my phone to see the projected temperature tonight, and it's going to get to you know teens in a matter of minutes, I think, for once the sun goes down this evening. So, yeah, brace I, yourself. I feel for the people. I feel for the people all over the country. I got a little brother that uh, is hanging out in the Denver airport right now. So, trust me, it, it's all over. It's crazy. Trey, let's let's start this week with kind of recapping what happened yesterday and, and just the the overall consensus of what the SEC got done on on signing day. Um, let, let's start with Kentucky. Is there a bigger "quote unquote" win than Kentucky landing Dennis Leary, Devin Leary, Devin Leary? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that they they were taking a look at Graham Mertz uh, from Wisconsin. They didn't particularly like uh, what they saw, in my opinion. Somebody that fits that system. And, and you look at Devin, man. Go back, go back and look at his numbers from last year. Go back and watch him play. There were there were a couple games where NC State was was in it right there in the fourth quarter, pulling off upsets. I think everybody remembers that North Carolina game uh, that was so much fun. Uh, you look at him and what he's going to be able to do in this system, you know, which is, by the way, if folks forgot, this is Liam Cohen's system now, again, at Kentucky. Uh, not Rich Scagnola. Uh, he has been let go. So there, it's going to look like what Kentucky was two years ago. Uh, compared to what they were last year. So I, I think he fits in well. I think this is a great uh, opportunity for him to establish himself in the SEC. And I, I think it's a better pickup uh, compared to Graham Mertz. I do. I know I know Graham went to Florida. I'm not hating on Graham when I say that. I just think passing-wise, I think this is a better fit for Kentucky. They're going to have to switch some things up, though. That's That's obvious on offense. So uh, I think Hutton, by the way, said Dennis Leary because the actor Dennis Leary once just brutally made fun of me at a Super Bowl, uh, and that footage is somewhere. I'm sure it's been burned by now, it has, but it's um, yeah, it's, it's been it's been melted. Uh, Dennis Leary, though, I bet could play some mean quarterback. Also, I, I celebrate his entire catalog. Um, Trey, looking at National Signing Day storylines in the SEC, Auburn goes from irrelevance to top twenty in Hugh Freeze's first class, and Hugh Freeze said. Yeah, it was a little bit uncomfortable for me, uh, this this next go-around in the SEC, going into living rooms of kids and trying to persuade them from not going to other SEC programs and to come to this program instead. What did you make of Hugh Freeze's first recruiting class at Auburn? Yeah, I thought they hit some of the key spots on defense, especially along the defensive line. Um, I, I thought that when you look at what they're trying to do offensively um they, they shored it up with a wide receiver too in my opinion that that's going to pay dividends for for Auburn like it it is different man you you've got a coach that's coming into a new spot especially in the southeastern conference and and trying to re-recruit some of these players um I don't you know Sylvester Smith uh, a defensive back that that Tennessee was on for a very long time and committed to Tennessee um once Hugh Freeze got down to Auburn and that staff went after him, you know, he decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in the area. I'm going to stay at Auburn. Um, I, I think you saw that with a decent amount of, of players where, you know, maybe the former staff wasn't as interested in what they were bringing, but now you bring a new staff in, you already had Carnell Williams, you know, in, in the recruiting war room. He knew what 
he was looking for, uh, especially on the offensive side of the football. So I, I think it's I think it's good what Hugh Freeze did. I, I think that you know it, it's hard to look. It's it's hard to to come in immediately and try to turn that type of program around with everything that's gone on at Auburn. That's that's the biggest thing that stands out to me. So I give him a lot of credit. Um, his social media game needs to pick up a little bit. The old Yahtzee tweet was kind of cringeworthy, but other than that, hey, solid day for Auburn doing what they're needing to do. And uh, they missed out on one player to Alabama, but that you know uh, that that that's an obvious thing that's going to happen every single year. Yeah, we'll get to Alabama and Georgia at the top, but tip of the cap to Mississippi State and Zach Garnett, and not just to him for keeping that class together after the untimely passing of head coach Mike Leach, but also to the kids in that class, you know, who didn't look at this as, hey, uh, my head coach died, so now I'm going to go somewhere else. They stuck to their commitment, and I think that's honorable. Where There wasn't a lot of that going on with the biggest storylines across college football, so kudos to everyone involved in Starkville and what they were able to do. That's a top 25 recruiting class nationally for the Bulldogs. It's interesting when you look at some of the quotes that are coming out from some of the players um, that they stuck around Mississippi State, but they were also Mike Leach's last class. And I think that goes a long way. And and, and I, I, I honestly do. Now, does it fit for every single player in that recruiting class? No, that narrative won't you know, go. But I think that overall, when you look at some of the linebackers they got, uh, when you look at the the wide receivers, and and I'm right off the top of my head, I'm forgetting the player um, that that came out and said, "Look, you know, I I didn't sway anywhere because I was honored to be offered by Mike Leach, and this is going to be the last class that Leach put together, and I think that's a very big deal. I do. And now, look, will it translate to wins for Zach Arnett? Potentially. I think they did good on the defensive side. Um, they've got some work to do on the offensive side of the football. But, you know, I, I, I just, for all of these circumstances that have gone on at Mississippi State, you know, I, I, you know, when the coaches were pulled off the road, you know, what was it, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, when Mike Leach had passed away and, and trying, to, trying to scramble and make sure everything is going right. On when it comes to recruiting, but also mourning the loss of your boss at the same time. I give credit to the staff uh, for being able to put that together, stick with it. Um, I think it was very smart of them to uh, to name Zach Arnett the the, the head coach and uh, bless him. He gets up there. I, I'm going to love this guy. Uh, we're going to have him on the podcast. I know you guys are going to have him on 360. You know, this guy gets up there and says, "Okay, no opening statement." Y'all just start asking questions. I, I thought that was beautiful. We need more of that in the Southeastern Conference. So uh, bless you, Zach Arnett. And uh, great job by State just kind of keeping it together yeah. under the circumstances. A really cool tribute to Mike Leach with that also. And uh, order is restored. Uh, Alabama missing out on a college football playoff, which is a rarity for that program, certainly did not affect their recruiting, Trey. Number one in the nation, six five-star players in this class. Second place is three different programs that had three five-stars. And there's Georgia right there nipping at their heels with 22 four-star players out of 25 in this class. 22 of the 25 are four-star or better. Alabama 
pretty much, I think Nick Saban was on a mission once that season was over, and everybody's like, okay, look, here comes the downfall of Alabama football. Look at the games that they lost this year. They're not in the playoffs. They're playing in the Sugar Bowl. The first thing was Bryce Young, Will Anderson deciding to play in, in, in the bowl game. And then all of a sudden, he comes out with this recruiting class, guys. That was, I mean, that's tremendous what they were able to do. And, and it's not it's not just the players. You know, it's, 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 it's how they got the players. It's, it's also, you know, throw away the NL, NIL part of it. And I wrote an article today about, about Caden Proctor, offensive lineman, the, the, the offensive lineman of the 2023 class and his decision. And I'll give you a quote here in a minute. But Nick Saban pretty much walked into that room. And I was talking to a couple of people about this down in Tuscaloosa. And, uh, over the last four weeks, they made a push for certain players uh, that that maybe weren't on their, I want to say radar, but maybe that, that they thought were going to another school. And they said, nope, I want him. I want that player. Uh, Nick Saban, I'm trying to be very PG with what I'm trying to say, but he just kind of threw it on out there and said, you know what? We're still Alabama. Uh, we're going to get the best players. And if you want to put up a fight, we can put up a fight. If you want to get in the NIL game, we'll get in the NIL game with you, and we're going to beat you, which is exactly what they did. So I, I give credit to Alabama uh, for for doing what they always do. And then, you you know, guys, you look at Georgia, and Georgia comes back, and you said, I mean, look at all the four stars that they got. I mean, you know, you can, you can throw out a five-star or two in that class or whatnot. But, man, they just loaded up again uh, on defense. You know, picking up a key, couple key pieces on offense, and I, I'm not stunned by this because that's what Kirby Smart's doing. But man, if he wins another national championship, guys, in two weeks with the recruiting class that he's keep continuing to bring in, where there's no drop off, Kirby's making a run as one of the maybe if not one of the best coaches in college football for what he's doing on the field and off the field. Trey Wallace of OutKick with us on OutKick 360. Trey, Graham Mertz at Florida compared to Anthony yeah. Richardson at Florida. What do you think the offense is like next season compared to what we watched this year? <laughs> Completely different. Um, you know, I I think Graham Mertz is the type of quarterback. I think we've all watched a Graham Mertz game. It feels like he was at Wisconsin for 18 years. Um, but the the way that he's able to you know, get outside the pocket, you know, make plays with his feet, try to, if the, if the pocket breaks down, you know, he, he is able to find that receiver down the field. It, it's going to look, it's going to look different. Like it's, it's nothing like Anthony Richardson and, and, and what they were trying to do with Anthony Richardson on offense, which they finally let him loose with his legs later on in the season. Uh, maybe because they felt like, okay, we've been kind of wasting this opportunity, but we saw so many key plays from Anthony Richardson. And I personally felt like, you know, that that young man probably could have used another year, in my opinion, underneath that system with, with Billy Napier, or just another year in college. I don't care if you want to go play somewhere else or not. Um, but the fact that he came out, going to the NFL draft, and, and then Florida decides, okay, you know, our, our, our third-string quarterback's no longer here anymore. He's doing – you know, 20 to 25 years. Uh, we got Jack Miller, uh, the quarterback who transferred down from Ohio State. Um, you got Rashada, uh, who's coming in, five-star quarterback, going to be playing for the Gators, but he's not going to be ready. 
So you bring in Graham Mertz, a veteran of the college football game, and and we'll see if, if he makes a run at the at the starting spot next year. He's going to get his opportunities. So, you know, I, I think this is a, a nice little plug where, okay, you got Graham in there, and then they can go, you know, you can try to get Rashad Trotta available to play here in, a, you know, maybe a year or so. It's kind of the same thing that's going on with Nico and Tennessee and whatnot. You know, some of these five stars just aren't ready to go. So good for them that they have a plug-in right now with, with Mertz. And uh, we'll, we'll see if he lasts long at, at Florida and, and what he can do on the field. I mean, it's, it's easy to talk about the quarterbacks, and those are the ones we talked about. Leary, talking about Mertz, those are the ones that are going to change the fortunes, good or bad, for programs with one player. But there are a lot of important transfers out there that we don't pay as much attention to, Trey. Tony Grimes, five-star corner, top corner in the country a year ago, going from North Carolina to A&M, announced today. Another one, I know you're there in Knoxville normally, that I didn't even know the kid was in the transfer portal. And then I see that he is committed to Tennessee. Keenan Pilly, who was a three-year starter at BYU, one of their leading tacklers as a middle linebacker, someone that comes right in and takes the place of Jeremy Banks probably in the middle of the defense, these aren't moves across the country that we spend a lot of time talking about, but this is the level of defensive transfer that can change the fortunes completely of some defenses out there, especially when you talk about it specifically with Tennessee paired with their offense, knowing they need help on the defensive side of the ball. The fact that Tennessee was able to go out and quietly get you know a linebacker from BYU who's captain you know, multiple times at BYU. Look at his numbers. Uh, look at his stature as well. I mean, the guy's 6'3", 220. Uh, kind of fits that hybrid mold of a linebacker. Um, I, I that That's massive. And, and a lot of people, you know, like to me, it would be him and Aaron Beasley next year at, at linebacker for Tennessee. Now, Tennessee has younger players as well, but I don't want to pencil them in as a starter right now. Just, you know, they got to go through spring and whatnot, you know. Um, a lot herring is one of them. Um, but you you look at well, Tennessee able to do that, you're plugging in that key spot. And like I, I think Tennessee, you know, they they have been somewhat active, you know, you pick up an offensive lineman or two. Uh, you know, I you get a defensive star, in my opinion, to fill in that spot of Jeremy Banks, Juwan Mitchell. Uh so it'll be interesting to see, in my opinion what happens after spring practice because Josh Heupel, you know, when he first got there, you know, he, he made a lot of additions after spring ball, uh, filled in a couple spots, some key spots. Uh, you can think of Brandon Turnage. Uh, you can think of Kamal Haddon uh, as something on the defensive side of the ball. And I know that's Tim Banks and whatnot doing that, but I, I think you're going to see a, a good amount of maybe some, some movement on that side, you know, probably after spring practice ends. Now, look, after these bowl games are over with, uh, over the next two weeks, there's going to be, in my opinion, a good amount of players hit the portal again. Um, I'm saying like another round. I don't think you're going to see like we saw before. But you're going to give opportunities for teams, you know, like like Tennessee or Texas A&M to, to potentially go find another stud uh, to, to be able to plug into that starting unit. I, I agree Grimes is – that's massive for A&M and, and for a team that just played horrible this year and everything is going against A&M, uh, I guess, you know, and Jimbo wants to come out yesterday 
God love Jimbo Fisher. But he wants to come out yesterday and complain about NIL and, oh, I didn't expect this to happen. Well, okay, look what you did with the 2022 class. Let's not be oblivious. I, I just I feel like that um, it's very key for certain schools to be picky with who they go and get. I think Tennessee and A&M did a really good job the last two days. Trey, uh, next time you'll join us, the game will be final. Um, South Carolina and, and Notre Dame. How do you expect Shane Beamer's team to play in the Gator Bowl compared to how they finished the season with the two wins? I mean, I, th- I think, look, a lot has been made of South Carolina. Um, that that momentum is gone. Uh, that, you know, the the losses. You know, Beamer had that, that press conference. I know you guys have seen it. Uh, where he kind of went off and he was like, man, did you guys forget what happened, you know, at the end of the season? Uh, and then all of a sudden. By the way, I'm know, so glad they, that they Hunt brought in the uh, video of that where he name drops 15 different with the Dow Loggins press conference. And I don't know, have you guys talked to, I don't know, Bill Parcells? Have you talked to Michael Jordan? Have you talked to Phil Jackson about this guy? He's going through name after name. Anyway, that was that was too funny. My man named 11 different coaches during that press conference, which was beautiful. Uh, and then what do they do? They go out and get Trey Knox uh, from Arkansas, a fantastic receiver slash tight end, however you want to play him. So good for, for South Carolina. And and I think that they're going to be fine. I think you don't have to – I don't know how much hype you have to give to a football team to go play Notre Dame in the state of Florida. Like I think that does it itself. To be honest with you, and and I think Shane Beamer is going to have his group ready to go. I mean, Spencer is going to split. Uh, Spencer Rattler is going to play in this game. Uh, you are still going. I know you don't have Marshawn Lloyd and Jaheim Bell, who went to Florida State, um, but you've still got a team that's excited to cap off the season. And if the, I'll, I'll say this too: if there were any other game, like if it was against like you know Illinois or Purdue or something like that. Maybe you would see, you know, not as much excitement, but you're playing Notre Dame. And I think that's a that's a big to do. And I think that's why you'll see a lot of Gamecock fans down there. And I think once we get closer to the bowl game, I think that's when, you know, excitement level will go up. But look, South Carolina fans freaked out for about five days now. Uh, Shane Beamer told them to chill out, calm down. I've got this. And uh, if they trust Shane Beamer, maybe they'll get something out of it. Trey, I've never been more excited about a Gasparilla Bowl uh, than I am with this one uh, on Friday night. Friday at 5.30 Central Time, in fact. Missouri and Wake Forest. I think Sam Hartman's playing in this game, so I'm excited about that from the Wake Forest front. And Trey, you know with, with Eli Drinkwitz and his program, this is one that most of the time you look, okay, SEC school 6-6 six and six in this type of bowl game doesn't really matter. But I do think that Drinkwitz is the type of guy who can parlay success in a win in this game into other things. And this is important for Missouri to finish the season above 500 and beat a really good quarterback in Hartman and Wake Forest. What do you think about the matchup and what it means for Missouri? Well, I think it's huge for, for Brady Cook and Eli Drinkwitz. Like that, that's the big thing for me. Like I'm excited to see Sam Hartman play uh, in a bowl game. Uh, now, is he going to be a Wake Forest after that bowl game? We'll see. Dave Clawson has said specifically yeah. that he's, you know, if he gets, you know, an, an offer to go somewhere else, he's not going to blame it. But I am, look, Missouri needs a win. By the way, and, how refreshing uh, of Dave Clawson to be that brutally honest that his star quarterback, and he's saying, I mean, right? he's going to have to look at the options because he's going to get offered a lot of money. And I don't know if he's calling out his own fan base and program or he's just stating reality. 
and knows that he's never going to have an NIL pot of money at Wake Forest. It's just not reality there. I think that's massive. I think it's uh, for him to say that he knows that Sam Hartman's going to get offers and he would not blame him if he took another one. That That's saying, yeah, we can't afford it. Okay, first off. But second of all, he's not oblivious to what's going on in college football. You know, he's not out doing radio shows like Pat Narduzzi where he's throwing out allegations of money being thrown at Drake May and but he, he, he's too scared to name who the coaches are, or Jimbo, or you can go on the list, Mac Brown. You know, all we've seen is coaches complain about tampering and these NIL deals. Okay, well, if you're that pissed off enough, name names. I know it's a good old boys club. I get it. But if, you, if you're going to come out here and make these just blatant statements, start naming names. So I give credit to Dave Clawson on all that. But, but the bowl game overall, I am excited for it. Uh, maybe it's just because it's college football, but uh, getting to see a player like Sam Hartman play against a Missouri defense that's pretty darn decent, in my opinion. I think this is, you know, a Gasparilla Bowl that I'm not going to miss. Um, and and look, overall, I think Eli Drinkwitz better in this thing on on a high note. You know, I, I know he signed an extension, but you know, paper is is it's just not worth it. Whatever you write it on, it, it's not worth the ink. So. I just feel like Missouri better cap this thing off well, but it's going to be darn hard to do against Sam Hartman in that offense. We haven't, we're near the end of our chat with you, and we haven't even mentioned the name Lane Kiffin. And we had a big signing right? day yesterday. Um, how did he do? And what's, I mean, they, I know they've got Texas Tech coming up next week on the uh, Wednesday, I believe. Uh, but this is, uh, much to do about nothing right now in Oxford compared to the rest of the SEC and compared to what we've seen Kiffin do in the headlines prior to signing day. Yeah, 28th nationally in the on-three consensus ranking, so just outside the top 25, Trey. Guys, I I mean, I, I got an email probably five minutes before I came on the air from Ole Miss saying, hey, we're excited to have our 12 players, you know, early sign. Uh, I, I mean, it... it you know, I, I think with Lane Kiffin and what he's trying to do offensively, I think, you know, with Jackson Dart next season, um, I think with their, their running game, that we went from a time with Lane Kiffin where all the talk was about Kiffin and the Auburn job. And then he didn't take it. Okay, now the media kind of dies down a little bit on Lane Kiffin. Uh, they put together... You know, they they found their needs, but they didn't make any splashes. They, I mean, they didn't they didn't do anything that's like shocking. Um, and, and what did we hear over the last four weeks? All we've heard is nil, Grove Collective, nil, Grove Collective. And I'm not blaming them uh, at all. I'm just saying there there wasn't that splash that you would think out of a Lane Kiffin squad in the recruiting period. Now I say that to say this. Still got February. Uh, you've still got time in this transfer portal for him to go out and do something big, which I promise you he's trying to do. Um, and he probably will, if we're being honest with each other as well. Mm -hmm. I, I just I just feel like yesterday was kind of um, I don't want to call it a dud, but it was just kind of one of those, meh, okay. Ole Miss did their thing, and, uh, you know, I mean, if it goes to show you anything, I mean, I just got the email announcing their class, and everybody does that last night. So, I, I 
they probably could have done a lot better, but um, I, I think over the next month and a half, you're still going to see Lane Kiffin do some things when it comes to the portal. And then when they you know, trying to sign maybe a player or two when it comes to February, they've got the space, as you can tell, the number of players they, they signed yesterday. Go to outkick.com, click on shows. You can download all of the podcasts, listen to all the podcasts right there across the Outkick Network, including the Trey Wallace podcast. And Trey, if we go there right now, what will we find this week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had Michael Bratton on, uh, SEC Mike. Uh, great guest, great opinions on what's going on in college football. We just had an in-depth conversation of what's going on with NIL, the money that's being thrown around right now. Guys, it's crazy. I mean, it, it really is. But this is this is college football and free agency. Um, that's what it's turned into. And uh, the amount of money being offered some of these players is uh, is pretty wild. Got into that, talked about things that are going on in College Station and Knoxville. Talked a little college football playoff. We did just about everything, guys. So uh, if you want, go to the website, click on it, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. Check it out. And, uh, again, we're just continuing to grow here at OutKick, and uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it. Absolutely. Glad to have you on this show as well. Trey Wallace, go to OutKick.com. You can read all the SEC coverage there. Trey, Merry Christmas to you. Guys, Merry Christmas. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You guys do tremendous work. This has been a fantastic year. And – Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody watching. Merry Christmas. Looking forward to 2023. Thank you, Trey. Trey Wallace there. Again, outkick.com for all of the SEC coverage and much more. Coming up, we have uh, Pro Football Doc in about 15 minutes. Dr. David Chow. He will go through some of the bigger injuries across the NFL. We'll talk Jalen Hurts, Ryan Tannehill, Odell Beckham Jr., and what we can expect him to be like. We know he came off injury and then signed free agent wise with uh, the Rams. Now it sounds like he's going to land in Dallas. We'll, we'll get uh, the, the doc's opinion on the recovery time there. And when we come back updated NFL draft order, and there's a team that could hurt their stock based on who they're playing this week. That's next now kick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Three weeks to play in the NFL. That means in 21 days, roughly, Chad will know who's going to have the number one overall pick. I can't wait. And And then the speculation can begin on which quarterback it's going to be at number one. Well, the Houston Texans right now have a two-game advantage um, over the Chicago Bears. The Bears jumped ahead of the Seahawks this past week. Um, and of course, the Seattle Seahawks have Denver's pick. But with Denver beating Arizona, Chicago is back up to the number two overall draft position. But let's just start at number one. The way the Texans have played, albeit in losses, uh, they're, I, I think they, they're going to beat the Titans this week. And the Titans, every single one of their offensive linemen from last week is on the injury report right now. They have officially ruled out Ryan Tannehill, uh, which means Malik Willis is starting. And 
they're not scoring more than 17 points, roughly. Houston's been putting up some points. They've been going toe-to-toe with two teams. Best in the league went to overtime in Kansas City, or against Kansas City. Um, I don't think they win two of their final three, but they have the Titans this week, and they've, they have Jacksonville next week. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. They could win both of those games and somehow not get the number one overall pick. That is not what they need. They need that number one overall pick for a quarterback needy team. I'm looking at that game with a... How are the Texans so motivated is what I'm thinking the last two weeks. They look like a young, hungry roster that still has a lot to play for. And I'm looking at temps this upcoming weekend, and it's going to feel like your favorite thing, Hutton, feel like five or seven degrees in Nashville. I don't see either one of these teams overly motivated uh, right now. But then I watch the way the Texans have looked, and certainly the Titans' defense looked a lot more motivated against the Chargers this past weekend. But... What is that game going to look like? And the implications, not just for playoffs, but like we're laying out for the possible number one overall pick, could be huge in this game. No doubt. And keep in mind, Seattle and Detroit this week. Right now, Seattle and Detroit have the third and fourth overall selections via Denver with Seattle and courtesy of the Rams with Detroit. Denver and L.A. play this week. And both of you know the teams there, you've got a situation where the loser is going to benefit one of these good teams with Seattle or or Detroit. So um, keep in mind, other franchises will be watching that matchup over the uh, the holiday season. We'll be Someone's going to have a very Merry Christmas. We'll be watching that. all of it, Hutton. We'll be having a Merry Christmas and a Merry time watching these games. Pretty big game tonight for playoff implications for Jacksonville. They've got the Jets. Zach Wilson against Trevor Lawrence. Speaking of draft order, number one versus number two head-to-head on Thursday Night Football. When we come back, we'll head to the dock. We've got the pro football dock. Dr. David Chow will go through the NFL injuries, starting with Jalen Hurts and Ryan Tannehill. That's next on Outkick 360.